What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to get to in today's show. The coronavirus continues to uh, have a, a mighty impact on not, now, not just uh, the comic book movies, as we've seen several uh, movies get pushed back in their release days. Now we're seeing television affected as well, particularly when it comes to the CW Arrowverse show. So we'll give you guys the latest on that. Um, we're going to go away for a little bit from the live action stuff today and talk a little bit about some big ramifications regarding animated movies in the DC Universe. So that should be a fun conversation because you guys know uh, this show. You guys know that we, we love these animated movies. So a big shakeup is coming when it comes to DC. Um, and we got some uh, interesting details regarding what we may be seeing in the Eternals whenever that movie uh, comes out. And also what we may be seeing from Loki. So should be a good show. Our show recap this week will be Batwoman. Of course, there was no episode this week, which we'll get to uh, in just a few moments. Um, so it should be a fun podcast. Hope you guys enjoy this. Joining me are my co-hosts, starting with Shamari Stewart. And Shamari, I could I feel like I'd be remiss not to mention um, a major shout-out to uh, Bob Iger, who I believe is uh, giving up his salary uh, amidst this whole coronavirus pandemic. We've heard, you know, obviously a lot of these owners and CEOs have been under a lot of pressure to uh, show, give some kind of help to a lot of these communities and a lot of these people that are, are in massive suffering and i thought to see Iger make that kind of move i thought was a was was a was a cool thing by him uh yeah hey i mean i i think so too um i mean look it is it's a terrible thing that's afflicting uh, a whole lot of people so it's good that he's willing and able to do that i mean he has enough money honestly i mean it comes to all these (laughs) he should be fine all you know he's not going to be you know struggling to get by because he did this but either way you know it's good that he did it i am very very glad that he you know was willing to to uh, uh willing to to give up his money for for this cause so i think it's a good thing yeah what about uh how you, how you looking at the rest of the show i'm looking forward to the rest of the show i mean we got some some cool topics to talk about um uh we got some good news some not good not good news I'm going to be talking about Batwoman. I haven't talked about Batwoman in a long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got some stuff to say, so it should be cool. I do quickly, Shamar, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Mark Guggenheim. Obviously, we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths a while ago when that uh, that crossover came out. And I think the fact that it's still within the lexicon of conversation, I think, shows that it definitely had some staying power and definitely was a, a definite impact on our on our, you know, on our culture, so to speak, and you being the Smallville aficionado, I wanted to get your thoughts on some comments that Guggenheim made on the Fake Nerd podcast. Shout out to them. We got to get Guggenheim one of the people on this show. If these people can get Guggenheim, and and uh, I saw someone else was on the podcast and gave a lot of info. We got to we got to find some of these people. But anyway, um, he spoke about the idea behind giving, uh, making Clark Kent, the Tom Welling Clark Kent, give up his powers, and he said, "quote." Uh, we discussed a nod to Believe It or Not Superman 2. It was, wasn't was relevant to the story that we were telling in terms of getting into the specifics of it, and there are certain things that I believe are best left for the fans to discuss and debate. I don't believe in giving the fans the entire picture all the time, but the idea that Clark would give up his powers in order to have this kind of life, that just really resonated with all of us, and I think that it really resonated with Tom. It just makes sense. Uh, I know you were really high on that move when they did it. What do you feel hearing this uh, short explanation 
Um, I mean, it just kind of confirms, uh, you know, what I had thought, which is that these is that Guggenheim, um, you know, understood, you know, what the fans and what people liked about the show and what people liked about Tom Willing's portrayal of Superman, um, you know, which is I really I feel like he really encapsulated the heart of Superman, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of, for a lot of in a lot of other forms, media. I'm not a big fan of Superman. Mm. He's just kind of your, you know, uh, you know, not just the Boy Scout, but you just, you just bland. You know, there's, <laughs> right. there's nothing there. He's just, he's just perfect, bland. You I know, but cer- I think he's certainly a little more challenging to write than like a Batman, for say. I think he can be yeah. awesome, and there have been great Superman, Superman stories, but it just doesn't come, mm-hmm. I think, just quite easily because he's not necessarily the just most interesting person. Right. Now, I feel like Smallville, especially watching, I feel like it really captured the complexity of Clark Kent and really kind of showed how hard it would be for someone who's not, um, especially in that show, especially in that show, he wasn't an extrovert. You know, he wasn't like some guy that just went out and was like, I'm Superman now. Like he, for most part, he's a, he's a farm boy through and through. He kept to himself, just wanted to work on the farm, help his parents, you know, do all that stuff. And that is the, it's, it is 100% within his character in the show for him to do something like that. 100%. So I thought it was, I just thought it was a good move. And it just further reinforced, his comments just further reinforced that, you know, they had, they kept that in mind and that they made a good decision. Uh, Kendall, of course, joins me as well. And Kendall, I'll toss you a quick yeah. um, Guggenheim uh, uh, nugget from this podcast. He also talked about um, the idea that there was no real crossover with the uh, DC Universe shows, you know, Titan and Doom Patrol. And when he spoke about uh, kind of what life is like at DC, he said that uh, an expectation that uh, we w- that they would never have to participate in the crossover was one of the parameters for doing those shows. Um, he said that he went as far as to say that there were creative assurances that were made that they wouldn't have to cross over with the Arrowverse. And in tune, he also said... Uh, that this was an Arrowverse event, and uh, he added, quote, is done on the Arrowverse shows, and when we were breaking this breaking the story, we, we were always trying to find the right balance between, okay, well, how many non-Arrowverse characters should we bring into this? Um, he went on to explain that it would also be tricky having the Arrowverse characters be kind of, quote, co-opted by characters that, quite frankly, viewers who don't watch those other shows uh, wouldn't understand or know. Any thoughts on, on that aspect of it in terms of we saw a yeah. great deal of crossover, but not when it came to the shows that are currently on the air. Like we, we saw, you know, Birds of Prey. We saw, you know, uh, you know, a Superman Returns, Superman. But, we you know, when it came to the shows that are actually currently on the air, we didn't see anything. It was besides the little cameos from uh, Jason Todd and Hawk. Yeah, we got Swamp Thing. Yeah, I we, mean, we... we it, it just never it didn't tie into the story at all, um, and I mean, I don't think any of us, when we talked about it, you know, thought that even if there were to be a cameo, that it would be anything really relating deeply into the story. I think we all realized, all right, if the Titans show up, it's not going to be for an entire episode. It's not going to be even for a full scene, probably. At the most, it'd probably be a cameo. And I think Shamario was the one that might have been the most that said that they were showing up, and he was right. And um, so I don't think it's a shocker. I think you know he's kind of explaining stuff that's like, I mean, did, was anybody did anybody really expect like 
the Titans to show up and do scenes with <laughs> with uh, Oliver Queen. You know, that would have surprised me personally, but um, I don't know. Some interesting stuff being floated out there by Guggenheim. Um, it's a it, his boy. Sorry, wait, gonna... Well, no, no, I'll let you finish. I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> it, it did surprise. The only thing that surprised me, like I think we, you know, we all can understand why we didn't get, you know, you know, Dick, Dick Grayson, you know, pulling up on our episode during that crossover. I mean, we, I think we all understand that. I, I, I just thought his the rationale he gave, it was a little surprising to me, only because he, he said that those shows were made with the basically provisions that they wouldn't um, cross over with the Arrowverse at all. It's just surprising because Berlanti is the one greenlighting all of these shows. So, like, is he putting himself in a box by working in this manner? That seemed a little bit strange to me. Like, I would have assumed it would have been something maybe from higher up. Unless maybe it is. Maybe, and maybe I'm asking my own question, but maybe some people were telling Berlanti, okay, we want you to do this, but we don't want any crossover between what you're doing on CW. It, that I just was surprised that they, they made it like a, it was a kind of a creative decision, but I like the creator who's doing Arrow is the same person doing those other shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talk about the network difference. I think that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, ratings and such and such. Like those shows are very different, even though they're made by the same person, which has always been interesting to me. But um, yeah, I mean, it shows, the, of, shows the versatility of uh, of Greg. Yeah, not to mention shows like Arrow, uh, not Arrow. Shows like uh, Riverdale and Katie Keene and sure. you know Sabrina. You know how many shows this guy have now? I mean, we gotta keep a we gotta keep a, a count. A running count. By the um, way, not to cut you off, Ken, I was gonna drop another, just another, another cold another open nugget. Yeah, another cold open nugget. Not to change the subject, but I do want to get y'all's opinion. There's a rumor that Tim Drake is going to make an appearance in his next season of Titans. I did see that. I did see that. Well, what, what would y'all think about that? I, I, I hopefully it's not too much. Yeah, I guess my day is hopefully it's not too much. <laughs> our, uh, Titans seems to be doing a decent job in terms of juggling, putting a million characters. I feel like we've said this in season one. Hopefully it's not too much. We've definitely said it going into last season. We all stuff we're hearing now. We all stuff we're hearing now about Calder and you know, <laughs> yeah. like we're hearing stuff about more crypto and already got more Superboy, probably. Like, what... How much more can we get? How much more can you squeeze in? Um, Seems like they're trying to put every every everyone yeah, that ever was a Titan. Luthor is being talked about. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't even have a cyborg. Like, I mean, in, so in one sense, it's kind of... Uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that they, they're going for it. Like, I've said that a million times about the show. Like, I love the fact that they are going for it. Like, they're going for putting all the DC characters in it. And, like, I don't necessarily want to just automatically say, oh, my God, another character. Because I'm like, all right, well, look, man, how many shows do we have that actually are being this bold in terms of inserting so many uh, characters from the canon? At the same time, like, sometimes I feel like the one thing I will say about the show, sometimes I feel like they, I like, I would like them to have a better plan for when they when they are introducing characters. Uh, some plans, I don't know if they really ever quite materialized in terms of just throwing in 
certain characters. Like Jericho's, you know, inclusion last season was great. Um, I would say uh, you guys know how I felt about Superboy. I, I I just I felt like he was kind of mm-hmm. a distraction. I liked. I didn't dislike Cadmus per se, but the stuff that was happening away from Cadmus and Superboy just was so much more interesting and like had nothing to do with Deathstroke. And that was the best part of the season. And it's like if we just didn't have any of that stuff, I think the season may have been better off. And in in, in the, I think they made a very foolish decision to kind of end the season on the Cadmus note more so than the Deathstroke note, uh, which was a, a still a bizarre decision based on how the show, the series had progressed last season. With Tim Drake, remember, Drake's insertion into the Batman universe, like, it, it me- it's like, it's meaningful in, like, why he is who he is and why we see him. Like, you know, Batman is devastated by having what happened with, uh, with Jason. He's gone years without having a Robin. Here comes this kid who he doesn't know, finds out who he is, and feel, really feels like you know he has no choice really but to take him under his wing. But he really didn't want to ever have a, that that Robin character around because of what happened with Jason Todd. If you're gonna have Jason Todd still running around, what's the point of having Tim Drake other than just a cameo? He's not gonna be in the Robin costume, I don't think, unless we're in a situation where maybe Bruce fires Jason. I don't know. I just I just think that like. Tim's insertion into the Bat family went a certain way, and it made sense. They need to make this make sense to me, why I'm seeing Tim Drake while Jason Todd is still running around in a Robin costume. That doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how I feel about it, too. I mean, we already have um, Jason Todd Robin, and he's still Robin. He's not dead. When's so... Damian Wayne coming out to the show? It's going to happen. Um... Yes, yeah, that's, that's the that's the issue. I mean, look, they're they're emptying the they're emptying the 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 rules gallery. They're putting anybody that they think could be yeah. even more remotely interesting. Get Artemis. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're gonna get everybody. Yeah, I mean, name your Young Justice for Teen Titans character. Yeah. They will be Blackfire's in it. Blackfire is coming. Everybody's coming. Yeah, Blackfire is coming for you. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we're on all this Berlanti stuff, what I was gonna bring up earlier was that uh. Stephen Amell also said that he is he, no way he's coming back to yes. the Arrowverse. Not even to not even as a guest star. Said he's done with it. Um, I mean, I don't know if I believe him, but that's what he's saying so right now. I mean, he's emotional, obviously. He's hurt by the way it ended. He's you know kind of in a rough spot, kind of post career, you know, kind of thing. And that 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 hits everybody. It's not like specific to him, but. Um, I, 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 all I'll say is I, I think in a year, two years from now, three years from now, the Arrowverse is still going on and they made they gave him a call to do a cameo or, uh, even an episode. I don't think he would turn it down. Um, if the money was right, of course. I don't know. I really don't know. I feel like. You know, it's kind of the same thing with Robert Downey Jr. And, of course, you know, I know we've gone off many tangents, but there was a rumor last week that Robert's already signed a deal to, you know, appear with Ironheart whenever Ironheart happens. Um, yep. But, like, to me, it just, it, it doesn't feel right to me to have those characters come back. Um, no, Ironheart's a little different with Tony because they're saying he'd probably be him in an AI form, which that I can kind of live with. I think it might actually be really funny and great. Yeah, it'd be cool. But... 
But with, with, with Oliver, it's like, even if you're doing a flashback, even if you're doing an alternate universe or a hallucination, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like in some ways, Arrow, the Arrowverse has used like the hallucination flashback thing as a little bit of a crutch to like bring around people who we haven't seen. And I don't really want them to use that with the guy who started it all. Like that's the, to me the last guy that should be used as that kind of like story storytelling crutch. And I don't think that. I mean, his death was sad, and then it was kind of like they kind of upended it by like having him become Spectre. So like I don't know, like it's not like his death was like this amazing thing that like oh you can't ever bring him back, but. I, I just I just don't think it's necessary. I, I would I could understand him being like I don't there's no reason for me to come back. And I think a lot of people are mostly satisfied with like his story arc ending. So it's like for what, you know? Yeah, I mean I I um I think the only thing that makes me want him to at least be open for a cameo is just because I'm very much enjoying the whole Mia Smoke well, Mia, Mia Smoke, Mia Queen, you know, where, however she goes by nowadays. Um, the whole Mia oh, yeah. uh, being the Green Arrow thing. I'll be open to there being some kind of, since he's a specter now or whatever, I'll be open to there being some kind of communication eventually It'd at some point. It would be weird for him to never show up on that show, by the way. You know, that's yeah. That's why I'm just like, I'd be, I'd be open to it. You know, that's why I'm kind of just like, yeah. Oh, He's got ever. tons of old footage, so he can show him making. Well, yeah, sure. Pictures, that, yeah, I'm sure. He'll have a presence, but it would still be weird to never see him in a cameo. Yeah. On some level, and you know, I I mean, yeah. The main reason I, it would just be, it would be good for me is because there seems to be a lot of un, un, um, lot of unresolved emotional stuff going on with her result when it comes to Oliver. I feel like a lot of that's going to be explored on her show. And I feel like him being at least open to a cameo would benefit that show. Cause at least they know they have that, that they can use that at some point. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm satisfied with how the show, how, how, um, with him not being, you know, like just a recurring person, because I mean, he his show's over. His his time is done. There are a lot of parts of Arrow I loved. A lot of parts of Arrow I really did not like at all. <laughs> and say my pretty Miley. <laughs> yeah, and like you know, that's it. And he's done. So, you know, I I think I I especially wouldn't feel bad if he got some other really big like acting gig or something. Then I'd be like, yeah, just let him go. Let him go. Yeah. You know, release him from his contract. Let him move on with his career and do something else. Yeah, I, I, I hear you guys on that. I think that, you know, I'll end on this. Like, with any big actor, any big show, it, their return is almost always inevitable. Like, the biggest one I think of is, like, Steve Carell on the last episode of The Office. Like, it was like, he said he was done. They said they were never bringing him back. It seemed like he was never going to come back. They went the whole last season. He didn't show up at all. But in and, and the heart of hearts, you kind of knew he has to make a comeback, doesn't he? And then he did. Could that appearance happen at some point for Amel? It, history suggests that it it, do, it will because it always happens like that. Um, I don't think we'll see him immediately on any Arrowverse shows, including Green Arrow and the Canaries. Could on the season finale of Arrow somehow? I mean, excuse me, a Flash maybe, or a series finale of Flash? Could you know see uh, Oliver show up, or could you see him show up on a series finale of Green Arrow and the Canaries? Like. 
that's probably more possible. Um, I don't know. I don't expect them to be kind of just used as just like a throwing in this random episode here so that Mia can get over the hump on this. I don't think that they'll use him like that. Right. I don't know if they should. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so let's 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 stay on CW now and let's talk about a lot of stuff happening regarding um, the big shakeup they've had since the coronavirus outbreak. So there's a whole slate of episodes that were supposed to air this week, including episode of Batwoman that we were ready to review if we had to. All of it was postponed and they instead replaced them with reruns because of issues regarding coronavirus. I guess maybe in, in getting the episodes ready to go or whatever the situation was. I don't think we ever got a clear picture, but. Um, it was because of the coronavirus. That was certainly seemed to be made clear. So those episodes never happened. Um, we're now getting more word about when we will actually see these new episodes of these shows again. And it's going to be a little while. So uh, The Flash, Batwoman, Legend Small, and Supergirl all were delayed. Now on April 21st is when we will once again re- see uh, a new episode of The Flash and Legends. Um, April 26th will be the next time we see Supergirl and Batwoman. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you guys because I think it's something that I have concerns for. Um, are you guys concerned about the capability of CW being able to finish these seasons? Like, if they're already having delay episodes and we're talking about the coronavirus outbreak being a big issue, I don't know if we get the the season finales. I mean, the season finale has already been pushed back. I feel like there's a very good chance that we may not be seeing these season finales until way later. Is anyone else feel that way? If they haven't been filmed, I hundred, I one hundred percent film that feel that way. Mm. I, I feel like they've been filmed. That's just my think, guess. I'm not an expert, but it's already March. Those things are supposed to come out in May. I mean, I would hope so, but. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the process of like, you know, in terms of post production, how much like if the episode done, can they put it out now and they're just holding on to it in the chamber? Um, can they do post production from their house from their homes? I think that's the issue. It's it's like the editing post production that has to be done. As we saw this week, I mean, clearly it's not like a oh, it's like it, it don't matter if coronavirus is happening. Like, right, you can do whatever. So it's like we. We learned this week that is not the case. And we're talking about coronavirus possibly being at its worst in this upcoming month. And that's why... That would, yeah, that would seem to suggest that we're this could be a problem. And that, that's what makes this interesting is that I think part of me wonders if the timeline also kind of opens it up for like... Because there have been some discussions in multiple different industries about in it, it about entertainment versus like you know balancing the seriousness of the issue and like if you put out entertainment content in the month of april when things are going really bad potentially how does that what are the optics of that you know is that responsible things of that nature should you do that and it's a, it's a, it's a back and forth conversation it's, it, that, that's been going on and I just wonder if that's something they're considering as well. It's just, all right, put it at the end of April. Obviously, you can't guarantee anything would be great in the, <laughs> at the end of April, you know, what things are going to look like. But it's a, it's a uh, safer projection for now. I mean, that's when, uh, that's our, right now, when the when things are supposed to open up, uh, that'll probably get delayed or extended at some point. 
But um, so I I do wonder if that's a part of this as well. But if this is about if if it is about like we can't produce things week to week, then EJ may be onto something. I just I just feel like it's such a like because the filming is likely done, you would think that it's such a I don't say it's a simple process, but it's such a like hands off kind of thing. Like you don't need I don't think a million people in the same place to do this. I wouldn't think. Now it may not come out as fast, but like I don't know if we'll have to wait till November. Yeah. Maybe it's August, maybe it's July. Yeah, I agree with that. If the filming is done, we're still gonna get the the finales and I think at a fairly reasonable time. They may just be giving the production team, the post production team more more time to work. Right. Because they probably can't meet as they normally would or whatever scheduling conflicts um, or whatever accommodations need to be made for some people to work from home as opposed to in whatever office they usually work at or something along those right. lines. TW's so, a business as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, so there may be something like that going on. Um, so I think, so if that's, if that is the case, and I think we'll still get the finales at a re- reasonable time, maybe a month and a half to two months, maybe from when we would have expected. But if they haven't done filming, or if any of the shows haven't finished filming, we're not going to get that joint for, <laughs> for, a ever, long time. for a very long time yeah. because they can't, they probably can't meet to film Yeah, or they'd be putting their crew and everybody else at risk. That's why I'm very scared for just like tw- any movie that's coming out in like 2022, late 2021, like summer 2021, like, yeah, look like at Black Adam. Yeah, it feels like, it feels like this is, I mean, I guess I, I'm saying it feels like because it is, but. The situation regarding entertainment production seems to be getting more dire by the day. Yeah, because, you know, these things take time. And it's just time that's just completely being wasted, obviously, for obvious reasons. But, like, you know, you mentioned Black Hat, you know, the Disney Plus Marvel series. Like, these are things that are supposed to be filming this this summer, the rest of this year. Yeah, some of them were filming. Yeah, some of them were in the middle of filming to come out next year. In the year after, that you can't do that. No, nope. you know, like so everything to get pushed back. Luckily, the stuff that was supposed to come out this summer will also get pushed back, so it will probably won't feel as jarring. But I do wonder if there will be kind of a gap period where it's like, yeah, all the stuff that was supposed to be released here is now pushed back. So it's really not as many movies or as many TV series that are coming out in this period next year. But that's my fear. But uh, EJ, what's your handle on this situation? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm telling you guys, I I, I have some concerns because we're talking about the ability to produce. I know you're saying, well, can't this be kind of done at home or away from each other? I don't know. Some of this stuff, it might not be just, oh, you can't be by somebody. It might just be, I don't have the equipment in my home to do what I'm being told to right. do for these shows. I mean, these are multi-million-dollar productions that are being done, like. You know, us doing a podcast, we do it remotely all the time. So, like, you know, we you know we have an ability to, to do our show under almost any circumstances. We're talking about multi-million dollar productions. I take it as someone who's working at a news station that is actively working to try to figure out this new landscape that we're in. It is not easy. It is not easy, and, and nobody's prepared for it. Like... Nobody thought one day, what would happen if we just couldn't be where we work and none of our equipment was at home? 
and we couldn't yeah. be near anybody. Like nobody's thought about what we would do. That's never been in the lexicon of conversation. So everyone is kind of flying by the seat of their pants. So I guess that's why I probably have more of a grim outlook on when we'll see these shows again, or at least we know when we'll see them again, but if we'll get a reasonable end to these shows in a timely manner, simply because I, I just, I'm totally different. I work in news, this is entertainment, but still I know what that struggle is going to be for the CW and for every network that's trying to put out post-production shows, shows that are in production, that, like, I don't know how they're going to do this. So, I guess, of course, it will all depend on how much post-production work is already done. I'm sure a lot of it, I would hope a lot of it is, but today, this week, set a very daunting precedent where I'm like, okay, you gave me no episode this past week. Now you're saying I'm not going to see another episode of these shows until mid-April, late April almost, my birthday. That tells me that, like, the work to put these shows together remotely is going to take way more time. And maybe they're using that time to bank some of these episodes. Like, I would hope maybe say, yo, you give us you know, a month and a half, we'll have four episodes done. Like, maybe that's what I'm hoping that is what's happening. But if, it, if it's a situation where, you know, that's not the case, we might be in for a much longer, uh, much longer thing than we realize. I don't know. Yeah, I said, I said a month and a half, but technically it's not. It's twenty days, basically twenty, you know, twenty two, twenty three days later. Right. Um, I got my dates mixed up, but I don't know. It's gonna. It's. It's. it's this is. This is serious stuff. I don't know. Um, yeah. And and you know, there's already questions about what's gonna happen with Supergirl because we know Melissa is obviously pregnant and yeah. she's gonna be on maternity leave. And there was not. There was apparently the reporting suggests that they were trying to get ahead of production for season six or whatever season they were on five, whatever um, soon and early so that they can get some episodes in the can before she went up. She went away on maternity leave. And I don't, I, I don't know when, honestly, I don't know when we're going to see the next season of Supergirl. I, I'm, I really, it may be two years. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I don't know if we see it in 2021 because if you're in a situation where you're a star, you can't do anything now. I don't think you're going to be able to do anything until the fall. And your star is going to be, at that point, on maternity leave. We could be talking about a very, very late, late start to when you actually start seeing these episodes. Um, so, I don't know. I don't want to give everybody a, just a grim outlook. I don't, like, I don't want to be Mr. Negative here. But just the facts of the situation suggest that this could be a much larger issue than perhaps is being reported um even already so um let's uh but uh i don't know any last thoughts on that scott before we move on um yeah no i'm kind of i kind of i'm kind of in a place where i'm like you know i'm hoping that the cw can figure this out because um yeah because i mean these are all shows in that you know for some people they're gonna need these kind of this kind of um, you know, distraction from all the negative, from all the negative stuff out there. But um, uh, but obviously, you also you know realize that the people behind these shows are people too, and they've got families and they've got situations, and you know, we don't need those people putting themselves in any unnecessary danger to go to try and pump out episodes. Absolutely. Super, you know, try to pump out. I don't need to see the Flash that much. 
You know, like a bunch of that. I mean, they can if they want to show it, we'll watch it, we'll cover it. But you know, the CW, Warner Brothers, DC, like you can understand, like as a as a, as a consistent viewer of the Flash, you know, value your people first, value me second. Damn, <laughs> same as when that Sonic campaign, when Sonic they were fixing up Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Yeah. They were all, oh, the animators are going to have to go into crunch time. They're going to yeah. have to work overtime, double time. And we were like, no, no, don't work your animators double time. <laughs> we'll wait for the movie. It really you, know, delay not, it. you know, delay the movie, whatever. Don't kill them <laughs> because of some online campaign. People are upset or whatever. Um, but, yeah, same thing here. Like, just wait. You know, we'll wait. We'll survive. There's lots of reruns of plenty of other shows. And just take do whatever you got to do to make sure everybody's healthy. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just even beyond just this show. I'm just fascinated about how what life's gonna look like beyond this. Um, obviously, I hope to see it. You know, just being front, being honest. Um, but if I am here to see it, I, I'm because this is gonna be a thing where I think that there, there is gonna have to be a lot more uh, stuff in place to have a doomsday scenario if you can't produce certain thing or, you know, uh, how to work remotely. I just think all our whole life is going to have to be adjusted because of this thing, because this could happen at any time. And, um, and it's, it's obviously, again, it had a great impact on personal lives, but now we're seeing it uh, impact our entertainment as well. Um, let's move on now. I want, I, I'm really excited about this conversation because we don't get to talk probably enough about the uh, animated content that Marvel, DC put out on particularly DC for sure. Um, and here we, we had a, a, a pretty, I mean, DC kind of been teasing it, but now comic.com is reporting that the new directed Blu-ray and digital release Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is, uh, is set to be the end of the DC animated universe continuity as we currently know it. So the universe that was created on the animation side of the company started with the instant classic Justice League the Flashpoint Paradox in 2013. Now this will be uh, not be the end of the DC and uh, DC making animated movies, and they've uh, still created movies outside of the continuity even within this time. They did the Killing Joke, they did Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but this certainly uh, could make way for a new continuity to begin if this one is ending. So I go to Kendall first. Are you happy to see DC go in a different direction? Um. That's an interesting question because obviously you read this at first and you're kind of like, wow, that's a big shakeup because, you know, animated movies are kind of, I don't say they're a staple of DC, but they're the most consistent thing DC has had as a company in a decade, you know, and um, they've almost always been good. They've almost always been, you know, the same linear path. I mean, it's really been more than a decade. It's been almost, it's been a decade, a decade and a half, basically. But or two decades, depending on how far you want to go back. But um, but no, these are these these obviously are a staple in this current continuity. Um, you know, and it kind of we weren't sure how deep they were going to go with it, and they've just continued and continued and continued. Uh, with you know the Justice League War stories, but then all the different Batman stories and the um, you know. Obviously, now we've got Suicide Squad movies and Wonder Woman movies, and now we got Just Sleep Dark movies, and 
I mean, it's Superman movie. Like it's 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 a lot of stories, and because of that, I understand them deciding maybe we should kind of blow this up because it tends to become a little convoluted when you realize this is all supposed to happen in the same continuity, and you're like, oh, what? All this stuff happened, and some of that is some of that does happen in real comic books. Like all these crazy stories happen in one continuity, but uh, it does get messy. You know, when you try to assume that all this stuff happened at once. So, um, I kind of, some of these movies, like, I don't pretend to think that they are all in the same continuity. I just, if they are, they are. If they if they reference it, they reference it. But I don't, like, I don't hold them to it like it's, you know, an MCU movie. Like, oh, how does it, but this doesn't make sense because of this. Like, it, that's yeah. not, that's not a thing. I don't expect to see Damian Wayne showing up in every movie with yeah. Batman. Right. I don't expect Batman to be like, but my son in every movie like it's not a it's not a big deal to me but i don't know you know obviously you watch superman red sun you know you expect i guess some of it to connect to what we saw in that's a superman you know and rain of superman obviously is supposed to connect to uh that's superman so it's like yeah i understand that it being in one universe but it may be time to go in a different direction uh doesn't mean they can they should stop making these movies in general because again, DC is the standard bearer when it, standard bearer when it comes to uh, animation and comic book movies. But um, it's uh, although Sony may have something to say about that going forward, but um, but it's still it's still a kind of a major shakeup in our in our landscape in that industry. So uh, certainly newsworthy uh, and not to be uh, not something that could be ignored. Yeah. Um... I mean, I think that uh, Bruce Tim especially has had a long run of very successful animated projects, animated movies for DC. Um, I'm definitely going to miss seeing his touch on really most, if not all, of these animated movie projects. And um, um, and yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I would hope that this isn't, you know, forever. Uh, I would hope that they can create, whether it be a different universe or, um, you know, just sporadically or sporadic D- Warner Brothers DC movie or whatever. Kind of like how we're getting this Mortal Kombat movie out of nowhere. You know, they sporadically work on some kind of project and just release it. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was getting a little hectic. I mean, you know how we had um, we had Damian Wayne randomly inserted into the uh, Hush, Hush movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some other connections in the, uh, reign of the Superman, like, uh, Luthor was in Death of Superman, and there was a lot of, a lot of, like, weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, Damian Wayne didn't, didn't really in, the, in, the, in the Judas contract, it was kind of weird. Yeah, Damian Wayne in the Judas contract, it was a lot of <laughs> stuff that just was just, like, this is it weird. It very sloppy, it's just yeah. like, you have to do it, because if not, then it looks <coughs> really weird, but, yeah, it looks really weird regardless, it yeah. you know, so... Yeah, it just looks really weird. Um, either way, I mean, I'm saddened by it. I mean, I love the DC animated movies. I think they're all there's always a treat uh, for me. It's something for me to look forward to. Um, so it's good, a good uh, Comic Con panel. It's always a good Comic Con panel. Whenever there's any kind of DC animated animated film. So uh, so yeah, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see what DC uh, decides to focus on moving forward. Forward, but I'm sad to see it go. Um, I'll be honest. I'm I'm actually pretty excited that they're doing this. Wow. Uh, I I the I, hater. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> definitely not a hater here. Um, 
I love these. I love DC's efforts at making animated movies. I think that uh, Marvel completely, completely drops the ball by not doing these. Um, what Marvel's able to bring to the big screen, and what I guess we'll probably see on the small screen even soon, is absolutely amazing. And the fact that they can be that ambitious and it look believable is incredible. But animation gives you a level of freedom that you can you're never gonna have making these movies. And the fact that Marvel doesn't really take advantage of that is just something that continuously frustrates me. I think they do it out of um, complacency because they make so much money off the movies. They're like, we don't got to do that. And it's like, yeah, but like you could just just it's like just doing it for the hunger. You know, it's like when you got a rapper who may be putting out, you know, a rapper who may be putting out good albums. You know, a lot of there might be some good pop songs, but some good rap songs in there in between. He say like, yeah, you're doing this, but like, yo, why don't you put out a mixtape that's just like for your hardcore fans, like just for the guy people that liked you when you first came up? And it's like, to me, that's Marvel. It's like you're putting out these great albums that are great, and we all enjoy them, these movies. But like, well, how about you give something for the hardcore fans, you know? And that should be to me your animated content, if it's not going to be your comic books. Um, and they just they've just neglected it, and it's it's entirely frustrating. But on the flip side. I think DC has found themselves, honestly, in a little bit of a creative rut with this continuity. It started off with an, an amazing movie in Justice League, Flashpoint Paradox. Truly one of the greatest animated films I've ever seen. Um, and I think anybody who's watched it, it, it leaves an impact on you. It's a, it is a fantastic film. But I, I feel like since that movie... The amount of classics DC has put out within that community, that that continuity, it's it's very small. I mean, I think you really got to kind of search deep to find where the next great movie was that was created out of the Justice League Flashpoint universe that they created, which is of course going to be heavily influenced on New Fifty Two, which I thought put a different tone, a different light onto what DC had been doing up to then and I just feel like a lot of these movies they put out since have been a little forgettable um and I'm talking about within the continuity I'm not talking about like Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um which was excellent mm-hmm. um he died to go to the movies yeah I'm not talking about that like that's that that also was Lego movie, Batman Lego Batman yeah. not talking about that. I'm talking about just what they did within this in this continuity since then uh Son of Batman was was good. I liked Son of Batman. Uh, I like. I thought that Death of Superman was fantastic. Personally, Death, Death Superman. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I like. That. I thought that was good. I thought Rain and Superman was really good. Yeah, Rain and Superman was really I, good. I, I, I think we all enjoy Rain and Superman probably more than most people. I I, I didn't like that. I did like that too. But yeah. I think a lot of these Batman movies kind of fell flat after the the you know Assault on Arkham, which wasn't really a Batman movie. It was actually a uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad movie. I would argue um, Batman versus Robin fell flat. I'd argue Batman Bad Blood fell flat. Um, I don't know if I even saw Batman Bad Blood. Honestly. Yeah, and there was still there. Was still <laughs> so, well, that tells you all you need to know about that. Um, I thought Jeff Lee Teen Titans was pretty decent. I was not. You guys know I was not crazy about that movie. Yeah, I thought um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was a good movie. I, I thought that I I, I did not, I was not crazy about it. That, <laughs> that didn't do anything for me. Um, but my point is, if I go pre-Justice League Flashpoint, I feel like I can give you classic after classic after classic after classic after classic. Mm-hmm. Like, 
they were hitting on pretty much everything they were putting out. Like their yeah. their output compared to what was actually successful was pretty much in unison in terms of it being one for one. I also you start thought with Wonder Woman. You start you, Green Lantern mm-hmm. First Flight, banger. Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, banger. Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, banger. Batman Under the Red Hood, classic. Superman, Batman Apocalypse, banger. All Star Superman, banger. Uh, actually, I wasn't crazy about Green Lantern Emerald Knight. Superman vs. the Elite. Bang. Classic. Classic. Weird animation, but classic. <laughs> Batman Year One. Classic. Justice League Doom. One of the best they've ever done. Uh, you know, I don't even got to talk about Dark, Dark Knight Returns. But I actually haven't watched it, but Shamari, that's, that's one of his favorite movies ever. Dark Knight Returns is fantastic. Like, their, their output has not been like that since they did Flashpoint. And you could argue Flashpoint was better than all those movies, and I would say you may be right. But, yeah, yeah, kind of. EJ said, uh, "Justice League Doom." Yeah, Justice League Dark was really good. Also, that's good. That's good. The Dark was good, and that was after Flashpoint. Yeah. But I just, I mean, they were clearly on an unbelievable, ridiculous roll, and there's a beginning point and an end point for when that happened. Is that there's a before Flashpoint DC <laughs> movie universe, and there's an after Flashpoint. I don't know I, how you can talk to anybody who's objective and tell me that the second after flashpoint was better than before i feel it like has you, not i feel been. like some of, i feel like some of the the movies you can point to and say because i do agree with you EJ. i think they have been there has been some some creative they've been in a bit of a creative rut though there are some that came out recently that i did very much enjoy same um but i think a few that you can point to and say this just should not have happened uh personally i would say well i wouldn't say hush falls in that category necessarily I didn't love Hush. I thought it had made a lot of poor, very poor creative choices. It was a movie that I think needed to be made. It just wasn't made correctly. Yeah, it wasn't made correctly. I feel like Hush. Uh, I feel like Hush was like it was like going good, and then it just fell off the rails. Yeah, completely, completely fell off the rails. Yeah, it, it completely fell off the rails. Um, but I mean, I think a couple movies I think you can point to and say this should not have happened. First is The Killing Joke, which is yeah. outside, it's outside of continuity, but nonetheless still a bad yeah, movie. Nonetheless, horrible. And uh, Batman and Harley Quinn. Also horrible. Uh, also terrible, terrible movie um, that I just refuse to see. I still haven't seen it, but I know it's a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, and the same goes for Killing Joke. So it's like, it's, it's you didn't get movies like that before. Right, uh, yeah, there are very few uh, lame ducks in there. Um, and it's also uh, the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker before uh, Flashpoint as well. Yeah, That's another. And that, that leads me to my what my point was going to be, is that that was... In my opinion, I think that's still the greatest superhero animated movie ever made. Mm. Um, Spider Verse is in that conversation, and you know, I mean, it just I love Justice League Doom personally. It's probably my favorite of these movies, but um, I think they have to consider. Shamari mentioned Bruce Tim earlier. Going back to the Bruce Tim uh, universe, I agree, and now he has been involved with some of these movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but he, it's not his universe, and he's not running it. He's produced right. some of these movies, though. So like, I think they should. I think they should return to the Justice League Unlimited, Justice League, Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series. I mean, they kind of they kind of static shot. They kind of tease that a bit with the um, the uh, the return of the Justice League versus yeah. Fatal Five. Yeah, that movie yeah. basically is in that continuity almost. Yeah. So. I I there is part of me that wonders if that was also that was also a really good movie by the way yeah still I need to check that out still but 
part of me wonders if they're such final kind of thing of yeah, this is the this is the end. Makes you wonder if that's where they're going next, because that would be that's the only thing that would make people more excited than what they have going now. Because that, that's the thing is like yeah, I mean you can you can stop doing these movies, but what's the light at the end of the tunnel? Is it anything better, or is it just going to make less? And I don't think what's going to not... really get people more excited than the movies that you're making now. Bruce Tim would break the internet. And I don't think it's an accident that we've seen Kevin Conroy kind of way more involved Probably. in stuff. We've seen him even and the last few years. The fact that he's been We, we know what him. he looks like now. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen him literally on television. Like so that tells me he's in the fold again. And we've gone all these years with uh Jason O'Mara's Batman, who he was good. I had no issue pretty much no issue with him, but obviously He's not, you know, <laughs> obviously he's not uh, Conroy, who is just, to me, he is the voice of Batman. Like, I, I just, I, I, I think that that's possible. Um, as you guys know, and I think you guys are starting to get aware, you know, every 20 years or so sense. is always a great time to do reboots and to uh, grab that nostalgia, uh, you know, uh, that nostalgia vibe. And they're getting that point where people like me who watch those shows as a kid are now becoming adults and to now have money to spend on what they're going to spend on the great, a great way to get their money is a, is to uh, tug on those nostalgia threads. And mm-hmm. if they did decide to say, let's expand on what Bruce Tim did, that, that could be interesting. What I think would be maybe even more interesting. And I think I've mentioned this before we even did a podcast. I think it was after how, after I finished watching Young Justice season one and saw how amazing he was, to me, I think that they should be making movies in the Young Justice continuity. I think that that should be all their animated content. I think they should be doing Wonder Woman movies and Batman movies and uh, and Superman movies and Justice League movies within using that animation, using those characters. Of course, you're going to bring in you know other producers and stuff. You can't have people making Young Justice just working nonstop. But I think that the world they created in Young Justice, I don't know I, anyone who dislikes it. I think everyone only... feels like it's perfect. Why wouldn't you just take that and say, we can't, look, we're not going to have Superman on every just Young Justice episode. We're not going to have Batman on every Young Justice episode. We expect that. Why wouldn't we say, oh, well, let's take those characters and put them in the greater, bigger stories within that universe? That, You're that already making be... it PG 13. Like, so you can, so now the, the, you don't have the con- constraints that you've had in the past with, like, how DC likes to make animated movies and how they like to be more adult themed. Right. Young Justice is on that tip right now. So it's a perfect transition. Yeah, that I mean that could be interesting. I guess my thing would be now you kind of fall into the same thing of like having to make things make sense and having the Young Justice is already kind of I don't say it's convoluted, but it's already a complex timeline to begin with. And then you start I throwing be... in five, six, seven movies that have to fit into the timeline. Hey, I I would say you want to make Young Justice you big enough. Them. You want to make Young Justice big enough to, and make people care about it and make people say, "I need to get DC Universe because I need to watch what's going on." That's how you do it. I, my you thing put would that be, kind of like, investment in that kind of show, which is I would just so, I would, so amazing. I would be I, I would maybe be about it if they said that it just wasn't canon. Because once you start making this stuff canon, that's when that's when people are gonna be picking it apart. Or then you then you get then you run into the same thing that you ran into now, where you got Damian Wayne showing up in 
in, you know, in movies. It's like now, obviously, it's a different. I feel different like you could. I feel like there's a way you could write stories. It's just like I mean, we see with Arrowverse. I mean, I think there's a way you can write stories about the Flash. You can write a Flash movie that like just doesn't involve like what happens with like everyday stuff, Young Justice. Like I, like yeah, I, it's I, like, yeah, I, I feel so like Young you Justice. Yes, like there is a lot of like crossover crossover with like Justice League characters and other characters. Like there is, I, I get that. But again, like Wonder Woman isn't always with the Justice. Like sometimes she's just doing Amazon stuff. Sometimes right. Bat- we know Batman a lot of times is doing Gotham stuff. Like just telling those stories separating it from what's happening on your injustice i think you could still tell amazing stories there's still you know what i would do with that endless endless uh a number of characters that they could delve into and i think it would be great because i think one of the issues has been they've been kind of handicapped by always trying to just grab on other stories that they either haven't told or even have told on tv but stories that are popular in comic books that they want to just bring to the to the to the animation so they're they're Uh, they're doing judas contract they're doing Hush, they're doing all these all these things. It's like if they went with the Young Justice universe, that's a universe that's completely it's new. It's it's it, yes, it tugs on other strings and there are allusions to other stories because it's of course related to a canon that has been around for sixty years. But it isn't oh, this is this story, so we got to go this route. It, it gives you a lot more freedom. I think DC because they're trying to put in these very um, stories that are very much like clearly what they are and trying to fold it into the universe that they created i think they they fell into trouble you would avoid that my, with having young justice be the universe from now on and just going from there my my idea to kind of fold into yours would be i would almost rather than make like an animated television series that's and that's what that's exactly what i was going to say when, when ej had finished also i was going to say i would rather they just made they just made a justice league show or you know, like if I mean, if they're gonna be working on Justice League characters, right. I would rather they just make a Justice League show. And uh, for me, I would make it less like linear and more kind of like you know, a Batman, Batman, Brave of the Bull, Justice League action, where it's kind of not random stories, but more or less like you know, all right, this is what Batman did on this day. Thirty minutes, you know, he he fought this guy. Tell a whole story. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even mind if it were yeah. linear. But I yeah, mean, either I mean, way, you could do linear. I guess then you just run into like the all right. Now it's gotta, you gotta make a story just as good as Young Justice because you don't. <laughs> people are gonna be complaining. So, um, but if you're talking about like trying to adapt those things into uh, animation, a lot of those stories, I, I would love. They've tried it with Just League Action, but that was a hit and run, 15 minute show. Didn't right. none of the stories really mattered. Yeah. And Batman the Brave of the Bold also kind of a hit and run, but also was, you know, it wasn't bad, but it just kind of was what it was. But if you adapt that into a Young Justice format, I think you're getting what EJ gets, what EJ is talking about on a even better level. I I would love that. I just don't think that's realistic. I think that it's way more feasible for them to be like, hey, we can do two to three movies Really, probably even two movies every year in the Just- Young Justice universe that's not like related directly to Young Justice. Like, I think that saying, "Hey, do a whole new show and give me twenty episodes, even if they're a half hour," that's a lot of content, fam. Like, I don't know if they have, if that's what they creatively, if that that might be too much because you do have yeah. another show that's actively going and it's been. 
is the you know the standard bearer so far. Like that might be too much, but saying hey, do a movie away from the Young Justice story. Here is your characters you can play with. Here, are story threads you can't touch. Here, are story threads you can touch, and we'll go from there. That seems way more possible. Um, but to me, that's where they should go because I think that no one denies that Young Justice animation quality in terms of just a visual look is is movie worthy it could absolutely be an animation movie like if that was the if those were the character models they went with for movies nobody would have a issue with that no one argues with the story content in the universe that they've created so creatively you're good visually you're good i just think that it would create no issues and again my biggest concern is the fact that they're they've they've pigeonholed themselves to telling stories that have already been told within the universe that they had to combine with the new 52 which is just it just was it's just it, it gave them very little wiggle room for any new creativity and when they tried as people like us are slamming them like they did with hush we're like why is damian wayne in this why is hush the riddler like they they like they even they tried to get away from that stuff and then we kill them but then when they just tell stories that are rehashes we complain that they're rehashes how do you do that? Well, just create a whole new universe that's very young and new and hasn't been completely explored yet. So if you just take the Young Justice continuity and say, okay, we're going to go with this. A lot of stories have not been told. We still know a lot about these characters' past, presents, or futures. That gives you a lot more freedom in terms of a storytelling component. <clears throat> that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. Um, oh, Honestly, like, I, I would prefer they just continue making movies, just sporad- even if it's not as often. Um, okay, I mean, because are, there are gems in there. They're still making yeah, decent sure. movies. You know, they just have to... Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just, it's just so hidden now. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be in the Unjustice world. Um, I do think that's something they can do. That would benefit Batman them beyond that. Right beyond right static shop. Well, look, I mean, that, that stuff we've been talking about for many years. Yeah, we've all wanted that, and nobody we've all. that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just want them to keep making movies because I love those movies. And I think they will. I think they know that it's 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 important to the morale of their core fans. So I don't expect. I mean, well, I say that now. I don't think I don't expect them to you know fold. But at the same time, I mean. I think all businesses in the United States are all, in some ways, in flux because of what's happening. So I, I can't, like, if if they decide, all right, we plan on doing more moves, now we're not because we don't have any more money. Like, that happens, that, like, I can't, that could happen because we don't know how bad this is going to be, this coronavirus thing. But assuming that's not the case, I, I certainly think they will continue to do it. I don't think that they'll just fold that division. Um, and I think if they did... As there'll be a lot of maybe it's a, a maybe be a minority, but be a loud minority that would be relentless in uh, not letting them live it down. Let's uh, go over to Marvel. Let's talk about uh, some Disney Plus stuff. So, the showrunner of Loki, Michael Waldron, gave some details about what we can expect from the series, telling the Forever Dogs podcast. So again, another podcast getting a great scoop and a great interview. We need to step our game up anyway. Uh, he told them, quote, I think uh, it's the struggle with identity, who you are, 
who you want to be. I'm really drawn to characters who are fighting for control. Certainly you see that Loki with over the first 10 years of movies, he's out of control at pivotal parts of his life. He was adopted and everything that manifests itself through anger uh, towards his family. I guess it's a sham. Do you like the direction Waldron is going with Loki and dealing with somewhat an identity crisis and a lack of agency he's had throughout his life? Yeah, I dig it. I mean, I very much like the, um, uh, the, uh, I forget the name of it. Was it Thor and Loki? It was some kind of Thor and Loki story movie. Blood Brothers. Blood Brothers. That was the one with the weird. Uh, yeah, the weird animation, comic. the motion comic, weird motion comic <laughs> animation. It's very disturbing. But yeah, man, the story. I, watch. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. I don't know if I did. I watch it. I might have watched it. You didn't see that? I don't know. That if you didn't watch good. it with us. I don't know if yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's a it. it's a worthy watch. It's, it's worth it's worth the watch. It's, it's just hard to. The animation is pretty pretty weird. Yeah, it's, it's very grotesque. Yeah, it's very grotesque. But it is it's it's good. It's a good story. Yeah, it made me like more appreciate Loki as a character. He's not just some you know fake right. You know, not just some some, <laughs> some Joker. <laughs> yeah. He's a, a typical mustache twirly clown. <laughs> yeah, you know, wacky. You know, like uh, whatever the uh, trickster, or whatever from yeah, Flash. Yeah, so, yeah trickster. You know, April Fool from yeah. Gary <laughs> Exactly. You know, like he's an actual. What's like, up with person. that? <laughs> you know, so it's like. Um, so yeah, I think this is more goes along the lines of something like more like that, and I'm sure people that read 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 any Loki comics know much more about that the complexity of his character than I do. But yeah, I think that that is would be great um, because just going into his mindset as kind of Thor's you know lesser and um, you know just him not even really being an Asgardian and um, you know all that stuff. I mean, it's just. It is, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, there's just a lot that can be explored there. Um, and Hiddleston's fantastic, so there's so much you can do with him just in general. So I think I'm very, I'm very, very intrigued. And I'm glad, you know, they're taking the show seriously. I was a little worried that the show would be a complete joke because so many people, especially considering Hiddleston's role in Ragnarok, um, and I know that was white, white, that was Taika's kind of flavor, but. I was a little a little bit concerned. I was like, okay, is this going to be, you know, just Loki, just being Loki for right. six hours or whatever? And it's just like, that's just it. But no, this seems like they're really going for it. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the, the, the Loki character kind of has a, almost like a hidden depth to him in the MCU. Like they, they tease it, they talk about it, and it's not like they ignore it, but it's not the focus. And... I think if you're going to tell a Loki story um, from his perspective, his point of view, you kind of have to include and focus more on the deeper sides of his character and not just the the mischief side, not just the jester side. Like, that stuff is all fun and it makes for a good villain at times. But, you know, from his perspective, and we talk about this in, in any time you do a spinoff, like, you can't, you, if you just take the spinoff character, the side character, put him in the forefront and you just focus everything on the same exact things that you'd been pushing with him as a side character. That's how you get a bad show. So you get a greedy, you know, <laughs> or, or planet sheen or any of those types of shows. Um, so if you're going to, if you're going to take Loki, who's been a villain, a, you know, a, a supporting character and push him into the forefront, you're going to have to give him another layer of 
depth. And that's something they're going to have to explore. And it seems like they're taking that, that task seriously. And, um, you know, Hiddleston is probably all for it. You know, I think he, you know, I'm sure he loves playing the character. Uh, and look, Marvel rarely misses. You know, they 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 have a pretty good field goal percentage, pretty pretty good batting average. So, um, I would feel good about this Loki show, but you know, still wait and see. Still has to see some sort of material. We got a little peek at it in the in the Disney Plus uh, first look, and we got uh, you know set photos, but we still don't have much on it. So. Still kind of wait and see. Yeah, I would say that this makes sense in terms of direction. Um, if you're talking about the Loki character with the Tesseract and him now having that agency that perhaps he's lacked for a lot of his life to be the person he wants to be. And for someone who's so morally compromised, the decisions they make could be very interesting. And I think that I, I, he mentions things that I really didn't think about, you know, his adoption and and kind of being, you know, born into this life where he's, you know, always going to be the number two to Thor and uh, and his inability to really control, you know, where he is being locked up at times. Like, you know, like I, I do feel like that's an interesting thing to explore because now we know Loki's a person already with, with immense power, but now you give him, you know, basically an infinity stone like and and we we know he's had it before but now he has the ability to now that he's gotten away he can kind of really move around and uh and kind of create his own destiny it is interesting to see what that character does because as we see you know the loki in avengers is very different than the loki we see in um ragnarok like it's a, it's he's gone through a level of growth he's always going to be the kind of backstabbing guy but He's not the same. So letting that character from Avengers with the Tesseract and the ability to control his own destiny, what does that look like compared to maybe what the Loki tried to save his brother and stop Thanos? Uh, that character probably would make more predictable decisions with their life, uh, with their life rather. Um, the Loki from Avengers, that's a totally different ballgame. Who knows what we may see from him? And that's uh, that's an interesting story to kind of explore i like i like the direction they're going hmm. yeah yeah i mean i'm digging it i i think this show could be a sleeper potentially i mean i think it could potentially be a sleeper hillston i think is is among the best actors the best actors and actresses that marvel has for sure that a lot of people like kind of sleeping on <laughs> you know so he could i mean him with the right supporting cast uh this this show could be something special for sure, let's uh, let's let's move on to the last story today before we get to our show recap. So, according to an article from MCU Cosmic, Eternals could be set to include its first uh, official allusion to Atlantis. So, Jeremy Conrad, shout out to him, wrote out wrote about a rumor where we would see apparently the fall of Atlantis. He says such an appearance could set up a big reveal or a big appearance down the line for Namor. So I give this one to Kendall. Is this the best usage of Atlantis in your eyes? Um, I guess if we're talking about an introduction into Atlantis, um, well, it, I guess for me, you have to start with why is Marvel doing the Eternals? 
And that's a question we've kind of always asked. Obviously, it's a passion project for Feige, passion project for a lot of, you know, Marvel heads, the Jack, you know, Kirby Jack Kirby special. Yeah. So obviously there is some sentimental stuff about it. But like from a business perspective, why are they doing the Eternals? Like nobody knows what it is. You know, are they really going to try and push the Eternals as a brand akin to what they did with Guardians? I think they saw real, real potential with Guardians and they, Feige and Iger and whatever other Alan Horn. They were, you know, they were visionaries in in pushing Guardians to the forefront. Whoever made that decision, but um, I don't know if that's what this is. I think that they, I think Eternals. I don't think we're going to be getting an Eternals two or three. I think I want to say this is more of a means to an end. And what is that means? Or I. I I think there's stuff that we don't know yet and stuff that we may find out Black Widow or, you know, up until we get to Eternal, we may, we may get more stuff. We might find out in a trailer, but um, one of those things could be Atlantis, you know, and that introduction to Namor, into Namor because that is obviously a huge character and what could end up being, what could make for a huge plot point in the future of the MCU, what better place to kind of I don't want to say introduce Namor, but introduce his his uh, you know his setting, his environment, than Eternals, you know, and that and Namor isn't necessarily a box office guy. It's not like you, you say anything about Namor or Atlantis Namor. and you, a billion dollars getting in their cars. Yeah, Eternals, like he's not <laughs> that. It's not that kind of deal. This isn't Black Panther and Civil War, <laughs> Spider Man and Civil War. Like he's not that kind of name, but yeah. you know he, he intrigues people. You know, I'm sure a lot of people then will. Be like, all right. And even the comic book fans are like, am I just seeing Eternal because of Marvel movie? Like, you know, now it would be like, all right, they're, they're, they are doing stuff. They're, they're, they're hinting at this stuff. And will it be something that we know beforehand or will it be something that's hinted at and teased in the movie? That's another thing that will be interesting. But I think they have to have some there's Easter eggs in all these movies. They have to have some interesting stuff in the Eternals. For people to chew on, uh, Atlantis seems to be a good fit. It, the question is: Is Eternals a good fit for Atlantis? Which is more what EJ asked. I would say, um, as an introduction, yes. I don't think that they should push a full storyline and that be where Namor shows up or anything. Like, if you want to tease that, and then he shows up in Fantastic Four, he shows up in Black Panther. That's that's more of what I would do. There, I feel like there may be a name drop, possibly. Uh, My son, Namor. Well, I, I, I don't even know if they'll say Namor's name. Into, uh, they just, they, the Submariner. They may just mention Atlantis in general. You know, that's more so what I'm thinking. I don't think they're going to be like, right, Namor. Right. Hinted, I, mean, I don't think they <laughs> Wink, just, wink. You know, I don't think they'd be like, people would be like, who's that? You know. So I don't think they're going to. I At least I don't think so. Um, now, if, uh, and this just goes to the Marvel in general. I mean, I feel like when it comes to. Uh, them doing Namor, they got a lot of competition with Aquaman. Man. I mean, they yeah, have, we've like, talked about this, man. We talked about this before. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna. I love Aquaman. I don't, I don't know, know if they can do Namor. I don't know if they're gonna be able to do better than that. I mean, yeah. to portray Atlantis better than that, you know. I mean, they didn't do no air bubbles like they did in Justice League or nothing like that. They went full on. This is Atlantis. This is the Atlantis you see in Young Justice, any, any, Atlant, any you know, what's the name, Aquaman comics. This is Atlantis. Yeah, just leaked Atlantis. Atlantis, yeah. Just leaked out of Atlantis. That was Atlantis. That was an Atlantis story in Atlantis with real Atlantean combat. 
You know, I mean, that that was real. So, I mean, at, at Disney, they, I mean, and, and then Marvel, the MCU, Feige, they have a lot of competition. They are going to, it's going to be hard for them to top uh, what Aquaman did. And with Black Manta, they got a lot of competition, man. Uh, they have a lot of competition. I'll, I'll, I'll let EJ go, but when he's done, I'll give you a, uh, I'll give you what Marvel needs to do to, oh, to separate themselves from from Aquaman. But I'll let you do. <laughs> I'm very fascinated to see what this uh this Kendall PowerPoint presentation is gonna. There you <laughs> go. This five My steps five steps to a successful <laughs> uh, Atlantis introduction for Marvel. Um, so I'm torn on this because I think Kendall makes a very good point that. The Eternals is definitely, I agree with him that it's not the same as Guardians. I think with Guardians, they were truly expecting to create a franchise. I really believe that. And I 100% agree with that with Kendall. I think that... You can tell by the cast. Yes, you can tell by the cast. I think you could tell by um, this, they're talking behind it. I just, I didn't, it, 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 it didn't feel like... Material. Yeah, it, it just, it didn't feel like they were searching for an already existing guardians of the galaxy fan base like you know what i'm saying like sometimes you can tell by their actions that that was what they were looking for i didn't feel that with this as you guys mentioned we've all talked about there clearly is a hey like we love this stuff we this is a great ode to jack kirby like there is more of that we want to show an aspect of the marvel universe that normally would never gotten shine but we as hardcore nerds and us knowing the legacy of kirby we feel like this deserves to be shown. This doesn't feel like I'm trying to build a franchise. This feels more like you guys say a passion project. I won't say a passion project because a passion project ain't going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. But I think it is more of like a maybe more of a vanity project per se than maybe a passion project. Um, where it is, hey, we've done all we can do with Marvel. Let's do something we've always wanted to do. Let's do Eternals. But even in doing that, Marvel and Feige aren't stupid. They know they're going to have to have it can't just be oh this is just thing something we did and we know it doesn't really have much of an impact it has to have some kind of tie in some kind of payoff for the people who are loyal to the Marvel Studios brand and maybe aren't so keen on knowing every single thing about the Marvel comics as we know it, and we're are going to come in not knowing any of these characters that includes pretty much us <laughs> we I mean we're pretty big hardcore Marvel fans and we know very little about the Eternals in terms of before we see this movie in their past in the comic books. So they're going to have to give those people something. That That's going to be 95% of the audience, I would say. So in that sense, I yes, this is a good place to give us Atlantis because um, while, again, I agree, I'm not saying Namor, certainly not Spider-Man with the Captain America shield. It is, <laughs> it is something, though. It is something that when you come back from and say, oh, fam, that's a big thing. Like, even if it's not in this movie, we know that in the future, like, he's going to have some stake in the Marvel universe that in how it looks moving forward. Um, on the other hand, I think it, it has to be done correctly in the sense that there has to be a reasoning behind it. If we're talking about the fall of Atlantis. Like to me, I'm hoping that it's not just a way just to show Atlantis. Like I, to me, it's gotta be, it's gotta contribute to probably Namor's rise in power somehow. And I'm not quite sure how they would, uh, manage it but i feel like that's that would be the challenge for them i would say is yeah i get it and i would say go for it but i i don't want i don't like to me you guys know how much i disliked 
the Justice League um, cameos because I felt that they were just random and had nothing to do with the story in any way. I don't want that to be Atlantis. I don't want, hey, show Atlantis and just show, you know, some stuff crashing you know, underwater and we'll kind of just do a half-assed job about it because, we, we, you know, we don't have to put all the money that Aquaman put into it. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You got to make it look legit, legitimate, like Shamari said. But it also has to mean something to when we eventually do see Namor in a full capacity that when I look back at it, terms, I say, okay, the tea leaves for who he is and why he is starts all the way back in Eternals. I don't want to just be just a thing that they put in. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's and that's what they're going to have to juggle. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, when you talk about uh, what else they can do in terms of adding to these Eternals movie, you know, something that I mentioned has been connecting it to Thanos. You know, that's kind of a way in which you can kind of make it like mainstream without, you know, completely compromising everything. But mm-hmm. even then, that's that's all you're going to do with so much. That's only going to connect with so much into the future. That's more to the past of the MCU. So um, how do you how do you Marvel likes to push and push their movies all the way into the future on some level? How do you do that? Namor will make sense. Uh, Shmari mentioned the inclusion of Namor. It being a little bit uh, too similar to Aquaman. Aquaman already did it. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of had that problem with Captain Marvel. They tried to do Captain Marvel after Wonder Woman, and it, it didn't. It didn't. It was it was a great movie. I mean, some people didn't think it was great, but I thought it was a solid movie. And but it kind of didn't do as well as Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. You know, and I don't, personally, I don't think it was that much worse than Wonder Woman. Some people may disagree, but uh, I do think Wonder Woman being the first in line certainly helped. Uh, for Aquaman being the first in line of the ocean movie, <laughs> more or less the ocean <laughs> superhero movie, uh, certainly gives it an, a leg up and an advantage, especially from a box office perspective. Um, I think ways in which you can make it different. Um, now Black Adam is going to kind of throw things off a little bit, you know, but Castle Rock, no, I'm joking. <laughs> we've already seen that uh that theory being thrown out there but i think one i think you make him more of a anti-hero slash even villain type thing uh which is not something we see for the most part that's true um black hat is going to kind of throw the status quo off i assume so that kind of then becomes all right now you got me in you're doing aquaman mix with black adam you know how does that how does that work um that's i would that's also an unfortunate circumstance because like Namor and Adam have similarities. Right, that's, of course, that's who Aquaman Namor is. Namor has similarities. <laughs> yeah, Namor is it's Black Adam. It's unfortunate that DC did both before we see Namor. Yeah, they yeah. were smart about that. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, in terms of a business perspective, I would consider casting an Asian actor. And that's something that's not, like, groundbreaking in terms of, like, that's been thrown out there before as a possibility. But um, for the sake of... You know, I just think if we're talking visually, it it, it I want to say it, it wouldn't be completely jarring, but it would be different if you know somebody like uh, not Simu Lu, obviously, but um, Eddie Ludi Lin, somebody has been thrown out there to play anymore, or um, sort of people mentioned even even a, a South a Southeast Asian actor rather than you know your traditional you know Chinese Korean Japanese uh, actor, so. Um, 
but I think that that's something that you know could certainly separate you from uh, from Aquaman and make you just as uh, profitable. But um, there, the comparisons will 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 never end though. That, that's mm-hmm. they can't be avoided. But I mean, that's that would be my best foot forward in trying to maximize the box office if I'm Disney. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear you there. Um, I I think that like. It's just gonna be a hard, tough hurdle for them. Yeah. You know, when it comes to uh, doing that, I mean, uh, DC they definitely took advantage of that open, that open slot for Atlantis, and have Aquaman, who's no doubt much more known, and um, I think just appreciated in terms of the comic book world than Namor right now, uh, just because of the notoriety, just just knowing yeah. who he is. He's always been a bigger character. Yeah. And now he's got his own movie, so he's taking him to another level. Yeah, and Jason Momoa's playing him, and it's he's just... He's an A-list character. Yeah, yeah, know? completely. Completely an A-list character. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for uh, Marvel. And to be honest, I'm looking forward to Marvel accepting the challenge. It's kind of like Marvel, in some ways, you know, having no choice, but they accept the challenge with Black Widow. You know, you had... Your female lead with Wonder Woman, and you know, and it's fair they have Captain Marvel before Black Widow, but like, um, seeing Marvel have to step up to the plate and be like, all right, you know, DC did something that was amazing that you guys, you know, punted on for years. Now show us what you got, and they gave us Captain Marvel, and it was pretty good, but it, I don't think it was Wonder Woman. Um, and this is another example where it's like, hey, another company did this concept; they did it pretty, pretty good. Um. Some people loved it. Some people liked it. But for the most part, it was generally well-received. It made a lot of money. Like, can you guys do this? We've been asking for Namor for 10 years, pretty much. And we've seen nothing. Nothing from Atlantis. Some of that was contractual. But some of that, I don't think, was contractual. Uh, Aquaman did a bang-up job displaying Atlantis underwater, you know, type visuals. Can they do the same? I want to see if they could, they, could, they could step up to play. Sometimes you want to see... You know, it's just like seeing a great athlete go down 3-1 in a playoff series. Like, you want to see if they got what it takes uh, to do something special. And, yeah, Marvel having some pressure every now and then from DC is great for business. And it's great to see them rise up to that creative uh, that creative um, standard that we expect them to have. Let's, uh, though, uh, wrap the show this week, guys, by talking about Batwoman. So, uh, this week we have three episodes uh, since we last spoke about Batwoman, um, I don't know how I feel about where Batwoman has gone. To to be honest, um, I feel like I was a little bit intrigued by the second story they kind of were introducing, or that they they have introduced with um, with uh, what's the name? I can't remember his name. Uh, the guy's Luke. son, Luke. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, oh, Luke yeah. and Fox. Darren Fox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Luke Fox, and and you know the release of his you know would be dad's killer potentially or the suspect uh, in his dad's killing, and I don't know about y'all, but I was so so hopeful that that was going to be introducing some Batman villain like Deadshot or it's still any, possible anybody. Well, the the the, the Hitman was. Killed and he seemed to be nobody. I mean, I guess in theory, yes, it could still be someone larger. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. The hit man, I don't think of anybody. I think, but the person who called the hit is a whole nother conversation. Yeah, that's something we still don't know. 
I'm, I'm still, I'm guess there is some hope for that. I just feel like that story I was hoping would, uh, I, I, I was hoping that that would present, you guys know how I feel about Alice at this point, and we'll have to end up seeing where this goes now that Alice is locked up, I and mean, well, I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but I guess my hope is that we'd have an immediate threat, perhaps, and that's why we were kind of setting up these last few threads with Alice, it seems like that may not be the case quite yet. It may take us a little bit of a while to get there. Do you guys, I mean, Kendall, it sounds like maybe you may have a theory as to who this may be behind this. Um, I actually, I mean, you you actually put the theory in my head. When you talk, I, I haven't really thought too much about who could potentially be behind it. But then you mentioned traditional Batman villains, and I'm like, you're probably right. Um, I... Who's a kingpin-like figure in Gotham? I mean, Tobias Wells is the closest thing you have to a kingpin in DC, but obviously he's already in Black Lightning, so it's not him. Right. Um, Falcone? Yeah, it could be a Falcone. Or, yeah. Don Maroney? Maroney. I honestly have to think Gotham. I don't need another Maroney-Falcone story, but hmm. it is Gotham. It is Batman, Batwoman, so it's not out of the out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, then you have like Two Face. You have your traditional. Well, Harvey Dent was was was, was name drop. Yeah, yeah. As a as a assistant. talented assistant DA. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I was like, okay, wow, we're we're pretty early in the Batman story Ooh. right now because if Harvey's just an assistant DA at this point, I don't. Know how I feel like they want to Batman. tell that story. On, I I think they're the, they're the chance they may tell that story on Batman. Mm-hmm. And that maybe um, Harvey becomes like a bat, maybe because a Batwoman villain almost. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean they made Ra's al Ghul a uh, Arrow oh, villain, so yeah. at that point, at that point you can really Talia al Ghul, Nissa al Ghul, yeah, just the whole the, al Ghul. Like they're they're Oliver Queen rivals, like not yeah. Bruce Wayne. So once you do that, you can do whatever you want. So I, I mean I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Dent is a Batwoman villain. I wonder if somehow Crisis before you go, Shan. I wonder if Crisis. In any way, did maybe reset the Al Ghul situation for us that maybe would allow Raish in the league to be a part of the Batwoman. I preface that by saying I preface that by saying I don't <laughs> I know if like anybody wants that because um, I think everyone is just it's crazy how we went decades being like why is there no League of Shadows live action content and now we're just like no more please God no more. But I, I do wonder because remember when Barbara Keen was Ray Shabu? You like when was that? Trying to forget about that. Uh, we've seen so much leak content. We're all like, no more, please God, I don't ever want to hear about Lazarus Pit again. But like, this is the closest thing we've had to a Batman show. Could there be a scenario where Ray Shabu? does return and shows up but instead now he's kind of in gotham as opposed to being in dealing with oliver queen you know something just a, just a, just a if we get to like a season four or five that actually could be kind of cool especially with the same guy yeah. yeah i mean look man i look I, I thought I was going to be the bad guy on the show. It seems like EJ hasn't. You see, EJ it seems like you haven't really loved love what batman has been doing so far either no um but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty disappointed so far. 
just overall. I was hoping Alice, and I think I had said this earlier. I haven't been, I haven't talked about Batwoman in a very long time, but I think I'd said this even before when we were reviewing Batwoman, um, that I was hoping this Alice story would be over and done with, you know, about as soon <laughs> well, Kendall, as. Kendall knows, man. Kendall knows how I felt about when we had the other, when we had the other Beth, and I was so excited, and then they killed like mm-hmm. you, you weren't on that <laughs> yeah, show, Sam, but I was just gutted when they killed the other Beth. I really thought we were gonna move on from Alice at that point, and. I don't. I, yeah. I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. So this is just it's just unfortunate, you know, honestly, that we had gone on with Alice this this long, and you know, since they introduced that other storyline, I'm like, thank God, another storyline, <laughs> something else, you know, Luke Fox. All right, what's Luke doing? What's yeah. he doing? Anything that's not Alice related. Not, you know, mouse related, whoever the other guy, Cartwright, whatever his name is, not him related. I'm tired of it all. I'm tired of the Sophie drama. I'm done with the Sophie being not in the closet, not out of the closet, out of the closet, not with Kate, with Kate. Kate's with so and so, Alfred's daughter or whatever. I'm just like, I'm done with all of it. <laughs> the, yeah, Alfred's uh, niece. Alfred's niece. <laughs> I'm done with Uncle it. Alfred. I'm done with, I'm done with it. I'm done with all the all of it. I just want to see Batwoman <laughs> be Batwoman against someone that's not Alice. That's what I want this show to focus on. And yeah. like something else, you know, Luke Fox, who's his killer? All right, I love it. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever who shot, who's trying to kill Sophie and the Crows, I love it. Yeah. You know, something else. Just something focus on anything else. And honestly, when it comes to the Batwoman and Raish, I don't even know if I want to see her go up against Raish. You know, because I think part of the reason I like Rage, the whole Rage and Batman thing is because Batman was kind of trained with the League of Assassins. So it makes sense that he's able to, to like, go toe-to-toe with Rage. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I feel like I haven't really seen Kate, at least in this show, I haven't really seen, like, her training outside of military training. Which is, you know, good enough, to, of course, to beat any kind of street thug. Yeah. Right. You know, or, or Gotham goon. But, like, you know, I just with that, I'd be like, okay, how is she going to, how is she, so now she's beating Rage? You know, be like, I mean, I it mean, depends on how she beats her. I mean, it's just like any, you know, me and Kel, you know, we always like everything to wrestling. It's it's how you you can you can book a finish to where she wins in a way that is believable. It can't be, yeah, hand to hand combat. Uh, she just somehow just bested Rachel Gould for no reason. Like that yeah. probably wouldn't make sense. But if she outsmarts him, and somehow someone else gets into the fold, someone else helps her. Like that yeah. could be a way in which okay, I can see Batwoman going over Rachel. Yeah, um, and there were a couple, and there were a couple like fight scenes in the show that I was watching where I was like, uh, because Ruby Rose isn't like big in stature, mm-hmm. right? Where she was kind of tossing goons around, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, and she's like, you know, you know, breaking cars and pushing guys up against cars. I'm like, she's not big, right. you know, and she's not Wonder Woman, and she's not Wonder Woman. She doesn't have superpowers, <laughs> and I can, you can see she's skinny. You can see that she's not like big in stature i know it's not like she had someone in a chokehold or something where i'm like okay you know this would hurt anybody but yeah. i mean it, it's one of those situations where i would have liked having someone kind of just more physically muscular well i think like, this show needs i think this show uh i think this show needs i don't know who does their fight choreography but i think they need a new person um yeah, you just calling for jobs man. i mean look it's no dis- <laughs> here's why i say that though because to me like if, like that person could be he could do, or she, whoever it is, could do fight choreography on another show, and it might make more sense. But I think the such Shamari's point of view is making sense, where I think 
some of these fight scenes, scenes and how they choreograph, yeah, they don't necessarily speak to like I don't really know what Kate's strength is as a fighter because there right. aren't that many, and when they are, they do the scene to be kind of inconsistent with what she's able to do. Like sometimes she's fighting people who seem to be two bit villains who are able to kind of best her. Then sometimes, like Shawnee said, she's throwing people through walls and stuff, and it's like. And I'm like, how? That doesn't seem to make sense based yeah. on what we see from her. They need someone who may be a little more consistent with that. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know. I think that in terms of where the story has gone, I'll tell you what. I, I did, what I will say is, I, I did like a little bit of the twist with um, Alice's backstory. Like, in, in the idea that, you know, the abuse that she suffered really was not really as much through Cartwright as much as it was through Cartwright's mother. And yeah, I, I got yeah, I got I got stuff to say on that, but I'll let you. And you go. and I think that you know, great, you know, Alice acts very childlike, and the idea that her trauma comes from when she was a child, and how that trauma that that abuse continued into her adulthood, because we see even adult Alice getting abused by this old woman. And like there's real like you may say, why would a you know, a grown woman let this old bag abuse her? I mean look, there's a there's a lot of stuff you can go into in terms of abuse victims and, and their 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 struggles, you know. So I thought that that was actually really it did add a layer to the Alice character. I was like, Oh wow, like that was something that I would have loved to have seen like six episodes ago, but I'm I'm glad I'm getting a little bit more to maybe understanding why this person is uh why they are the way they are, but um, but overall, again, I, I, there just doesn't seem to be enough of really. I don't know where this where they were really going with this Alice thing. I just feel like we've had sixteen episodes, fifteen episodes, sixteen, and I just where what has happened? Like, what is the story even? Like, I don't even like I don't even know at this point. I thought we were chasing Cartwright at a certain point, but they've already killed him. By having their main character kill him, which I'll be honest, I think I think needs to be. I think they should have Kate should have been through more of a struggle with doing that. I was really. Actually, I thought she was in a pretty deep struggle. I feel like she's. I feel like she's out of it already. One episode. I, you think that she's really still handling that thing? I think that personally, she's I don't. Personally, I don't. I don't. I didn't personally want to see like four episodes of. I killed Cartwright, and I'm like, yeah, me neither. All right, first, I feel like we've seen that other show that it gets like, after a while, it's like, all right, we get it. Like the guy was really evil. Like you, you, you slipped up, but it wasn't like you shot him in the head. Like <laughs> you know, like it wasn't. I don't. Know, I don't. You choking. You know, they people say strangling someone, killing people with your bare hands takes a little bit right. more than pulling a trigger. And, and, and so that, I think the fact that she did that was like, but. I was actually impressed by like the bold the... decision story. I thought it was a bold story to tell decision because I thought it, it was great. I thought because it spoke to how difficult it is to live by that code. Like Batman maybe makes it seem easy because we just are we live with him doing it. But the idea that a regular normal person who hasn't gone through the the depths of training and the crazy warped mindset that Bruce has like had the same level of trauma. Yeah, like like that they would be able to do the same thing. Like of course they would probably snap at some point. And I thought that having bet uh excuse me Kate do that, I thought was actually I was like, wow. Okay, I, you know, I thought pretty, that was cool. Pretty bold storytelling and like I want to see her rise up from that moment and show that she's better than that. 
I don't think it's just like the death of her sister. I feel like they don't deal with any of the circ- any of the consequences no. of anything that happens. Her sister is killed. Right. They we, we really see no mourning, no anything about it. He kills this guy. She's upset. She's sad for one episode. She calls homegirl, you know, one night, and then, and then we're done with it. She's back to doing stuff with Alice, trying to get her locked up in the Arkham, which I thought was a good heist episode, to be fair, or at least a heist so, scene. But like, I don't think that they really deal with any of the circumstances, any of the consequences of anything bold that happens in the show. Yeah, I mean, the show, has, the show has like no focus. Like they kind of. I feel like it looks in like a million directions. It's like you know, oh, this this seems like a good story. This seems like a good story. And it's like, all right, let's let's progress, you know. And it's like they keep jumping into different things. Like, nah, yeah, like, how long will that last? But I was hoping it was gonna last the whole season. I thought, oh, good, maybe they're moving away from Alice and they could just get something different. But the next episode, the preview shows like they we're still gonna be dealing with a lot of Alice. And I'm like, what possibly do I need to see from her in Arkham? Right. So, so my gripe is I thought the episode you mentioned with Alice and the fear toxin was excellent. I thought that was one of, if not the best episode they've had so far on Batwoman. Yeah, I like that episode. I did. Yeah, I thought that was an incredible episode. With that being said, you want to talk about kind of sweeping themselves under the rug um, or sweeping themselves off their feet. They threw in the line when she's with Cartwright, or where they were there with Cartwright, or whatever, or not even, this is after she's killed Cartwright, and they're like going back and forth, and Batwoman's like, she makes this incredible leap that like you set me up to to kill Cartwright <laughs> by like putting me with him and getting yourself captured. In my head, I'm like, that's a huge leap. Like <laughs> she would do that, and then what should we call it? basically admits to it like yeah yeah i i did do that i'm like how did there's no way anybody could have predicted like that's some dr manhattan level like <laughs> like oh yeah i know i'm gonna get kidnapped i'm gonna get tortured for like <laughs> you know hours kate is gonna lose it she's gonna almost kill the guy and then save him and then be able to then strangle him to death anyway <laughs> after she slits his throat. Like, there, you can't predict that. Maybe she just thought, like, she would kill him, and she was right, but, like, to put herself through all that trauma, I I don't know. They would have been better off saying, I I had no clue. I, 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 I got caught up just like you did. Like, I got caught by surprise. But no, everything, Alice has to know everything. She's got to be 20 steps ahead. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, especially because she doesn't seem to be a character that's just like sometimes like I'm not, like evil characters can be like legitimately twenty steps ahead of their opponent and calculating and uh you know um like Alice is just so impulsive and so like random like like right. I, like it doesn't make sense with her the way the character they've put in the place that she would do that and I don't I, I mean when I heard that I almost didn't even I just ignored it I just like that that doesn't make any sense that's. Right, and I wanted to ignore it too, and they then she doubled down. Yeah, like at first she was like, "Oh no, you're giving me too much credit," and then she said something else, or it was like yeah. basically admitting to it. I'm like, "Geez, they're 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 really going with that." And to me personally, I'm hoping she was just joking, but I don't think she was. And to me personally, Alice is just annoying. Like she's like she's like just another Jarvis yeah. Tetron Gotham. Yeah. 
you know, rhyming and no. Oh, I like her character much better when she's like this and that and this serious. Like when she like oh, a million times Beth better. moments when she she's kind of even writer. remotely like Beth, which even is, a little which bit. Is why like, the off, which is why that episode <laughs> off her, off with her head, the one that dealt with her under the fear toxin. That's why that that episode. Yeah, because it felt real. It felt more it like real. Wow. It wasn't just oh Alice and her little guys oh, with the, the buddy Wonderland gang, and stuff. the yeah. Wonderland gang, and <laughs> Mouse. Where's wait, my wait, Mouse? Where's my brother it's, Mouse? Oh my God, yeah, I'm so done with all of this. It's so bad. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, I, look, I mean, I'm not like Shamari Cave, clearly hates your well, storyline. It's, it's bad. I don't like anything with Alice. I don't like anything with Mouse. You know, Every I, second, this this Mouse guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> not, well, yeah not Mouse. TV. Yeah, Mouse, yeah, undisputed I'm, worst character in Arrowverse right now. I'm so, he's horrible. Yeah. I'm so, he's so terrible. He, he has no way. depth, nothing to him. Like, when, even when, when she yeah. got locked up, when she locked the door with Alice in Mouse, Mouse is in there all barely conscious, like, why did you trust her? I'm like, yeah. will you shut up? This whole time, it's like, yo, will you shut yeah, up? This guy I'm so got tired of hearing you. In the back. He is so annoying, man. Um, this dude, Mouse. Yeah. Um, the Luke Fox thing, I think, is interesting. You know, I, I, I thought, did, how long have we known that Luke Fox was dead and he was murdered? First episode, I believe. First episode? I, I, I thought it was very early. I, yeah, it might, might have been early. I kind of remember Luke being in the show and being semi excited that we'd eventually see Lucius. Then they were like, "Oh, his dad was killed." And I was like, "Oh, well, there goes that." Yeah, I, did. I just I didn't know what happened to him. I was just like, I just knew we wouldn't get him, but that makes sense. Um, yeah, so that, that so that whole storyline kind of threw me. It kind of was like actually kind of interesting. I'm like this came out of nowhere to me, but. Um, it's one for one, I felt bad for the dude that looked like Jermaine O'Neal. You know, he kind of he got a raw deal <laughs> on his first day out. Jo, <laughs> but um, it, the one thing I wonder is like, I, I guess they can figure these things out, but like, I'm surprised they didn't go for the thing of like Luke Fox was framed because like, isn't that a little suspicious that he like pulls up on his on the guy his first day out and they don't even suspect him of murder? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. The gun wound is like from a distance. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I, I I was a little concerned about that at first. But they didn't even arrest him. They didn't even be like yeah, nothing happened. Like yeah, I was well, also Luke is Luke has been he now. This is his second very suspicious death, but he happens to be very close proximity. He doesn't seem to have yeah, to face somebody, any answers or any questions. That's what I'm trying to say with this show is that like somebody, no one hit. faces any real consequences hit. for <laughs> anything. I don't think they've really dealt with uh, the death of um, her sister's oh, mom. Yeah, um, yeah. They just yeah. off her, and we just everybody's yeah. just back to business as right. usual. I mean, I know, I know, uh, Al, uh, you know, Kate's her Kate's father. You know, they were going through a rough time as a couple, but like, I don't know. I just feel like that guy's been through a lot, and we've seen him go through <laughs> no grieving at all, pretty much yeah, through almost any of this. Yeah. Emotionally crippled. Completely. Yeah, like, like, and and to be fair, I did think it was funny. We were like, "What's that?" We was talking to uh, whatever the dude's name is, uh, the doll maker guy. He was like, uh, "Which I start with first, your 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 your, your jaw, or your kneecap, or something like that." Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, jeez. And to be fair, like, Kate's dad, even in the comments, is very like kind of like he's a military dude, so he is very like kind of like, like, in, in, in fairness, it's like not. It, like he is acting in character in some ways, but like 
I mean, not when you give him this amount of trauma and this like kind of crazy story he's been locked in. Like, I would have liked to have seen more growth from him. I mean, he was thrown in jail. We didn't see him really have any like reckoning with that. The fact that he was in Blackgate for X amount of time. Like, I, again, I think the biggest issue I have with the show is the bold story decisions they do do, which I would argue even those aren't that bold. The characters, the main characters, we don't really see them deal with them in any meaningful way. And I know, Ken, I think one of you guys didn't really disagree with how I felt about Kate killing that guy. But again, I just feel like Kate having the grip, grip with the fact that, yo, this is not as easy as it looks. And right or wrong about whether or not this man should be alive, you, you did kill him. That's very obvious. And... I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll see in the end. There will be that body's gonna be found. Like somebody, like eventually, there will be some kind of reckoning with what happened. But the way it looks, it just seems like they're just going. They're gonna just be going about their business in the next coming weeks with normal episodes. And it just painfully reminds me of when uh, the the clone Beth or the second Beth was created, and she was brutally murdered. And I just feel like Kate hasn't really dealt with it at all. Like it's. This is very odd to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm. I'm in a. Uh, I, I think she. I see. I we. I, I think we're just at, at a little bit of a disagreement where it's just like I think she. She. I. I got enough in that in that episode of her kind of the scenes with her with the bottle and she's drinking and she's like, texting people and kind of in no man's land like, i think that's supposed to be the scenes of like yeah she's not like there were parts of me where I, there were parts where i was still kind of like all right get it you know you know wake up you know kind of but you then you have to like you did mention you have to realize that this is a this is you know a more serious thing she broke the code and like it's the same cliche we see in every superhero story uh whenever they have that code they kind of wrestle with it especially if they break it um, and it is fairly rare that the, the heroes do, so that's kind of kind of new uncharted territory for this. But um, also, I'm I, I if to, is it me? I feel like me either may have mentioned this before when we talked about it, but it I still think it's goofy the whole Batwoman Sophie thing because I'm like I feel like she would know. Yeah, that. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think we mentioned I, that. I told you that before. Yeah, I don't you, know. Yeah, you mentioned that last time we did the show. But I think she, I feel like she would know that that's Kate at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, you could tell it. I mean, like if you know, if you've known the person for that long, I feel like she should tell by like her eyes, her facial structure, her jaw line, jaw bones. Like that. That if you have even a theory, like is she not even theorizing. Yo, I wonder if that's Kate. Like, I know that. They, I know there have been some. Things that have happened earlier in the season that like made her yeah, realize she, that it she, wasn't Kate. Yeah, exactly. right. It's one of those things where it's like she's like now. Oh, like, cross her off the list. And right. That stuff is. Like, but yeah, I mean, again, it gets so like annoying. I, said, I'm like, I don't are know. People are really that dumb. Yeah, like I said, I don't. I don't know. I would like to think that if my girlfriend was Batwoman and I started making out with Batwoman, I'd be like, I don't know. She just feels a lot like my girlfriend. I, I just feel like I have a lot of questions. When I'm that close and that intimate with the hero, I just feel like if I, if I was that was someone who I knew very intimately, I, I don't know how I would know. But I, 
that probably is more of a you got to suspend disbelief a little bit in order to go along with the story. Um, I know Shamari said he was tired of the whole is she out of the closet, is she not? And I think that probably that's, that scene she had with her mother was probably something we needed uh, a lot earlier. Um, yeah. I, I just, I think they were trying to build up to, and maybe, now this, this is something that I think as audiences, as, as male, straight audiences, we got to check a little bit at the door and understand that this may not be for us. But, yeah, it's a demographic, thing. right? Yeah, but 100%. but here's what I will. But what I will say is, and I'm not I'm not saying that. Say, however, you know, I, I totally get that. What I'm trying to say though is, and I only make that point just to say, to me, it seemed like they were telegraphing that scene so obviously, and it it, it was a telegraph that had been that had been started since season episode one and got all the way to episode sixteen. I guess yeah, for me, it's, it's like, like the emotional <laughs> effect I felt like I was supposed to get, I felt like I couldn't have because it was so obvious and so heavy-handed with, like, with how they set that up, you know? Like, and maybe I'm wrong. Again, I'm trying to be very honest. Again, I'm a straight black male. I am not a LGBTQ black woman. So I don't. that experience is just something I know nothing about. So to make that very clear. However, it, I'm just just a storytelling standpoint. I just felt like based on the little I do know, just from living in society and watching television, it just seemed like this is very cookie cutter. Like they, I feel like there's a way they could have made that struggle that um, that she was going through way more not so obvious to see, like. I would have loved that her mom was like a generally nice person and a great person. And it turned out she did have problems with LGBTQ people as far as her mom being like an obvious pain in the A. And now it's like, oh, now she's also, she's a bit <laughs> like, okay, well, like that's adding another layer to this already kind of awful person that we've been introduced to. Like, um, or maybe having it to be like, oh, actually, I'm okay with this, and I'm gonna love you no matter what. Like that, that scene could have gone so differently. I couldn't believe it, it was just like, wow, they did all of this with this character for this to end up exactly how everyone could have predicted. But again, I say that to say, I'm there's is they could be speaking to a different audience. Maybe that's a story they felt like they had to be told in that way, and maybe I'm just missing the boat. And I totally can acknowledge that. Just for me, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. I felt like that journey just could have been way more engaging and way more interesting. Instead, just and like I said, the word I keep using is end up being just way too cookie cutter. Um, any last thoughts on Batman before we get out of here, guys? Um, no, nah, I mean, I'm just I've been very disappointed with most everything I saw, even the the episode that kind of that you thought was fantastic. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I agree. With, I, I said I was disappointed, but I do I agree with Ken. I thought that was a great episode. I think the the episode in between uh, after those two or what, before it and after I thought were not that great. But I, I did like that one. But you you not so much. I thought the stuff with, yeah. I mean, with I thought it was okay. her and Cartwright and the dad and Cartwright and yeah with Alice. Like, I thought all that mixed together was all kind of good. So like. On Batwoman standards, I thought, it was, I thought it was a very good episode. <laughs> very good episode. Right. I wouldn't say it's an all-time classic CW <laughs> well, right. show. Not winning a Jenny, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah not winning a Jenny. But Cart- it, Cartwright or Zoom, 
<laughs> right, yeah, like no, that. not at all. Cartwright, man. So I really like, thought Cartwright was gonna be Dollmaker. I can't believe that that's just like I don't what were they doing all this time? I don't know. I don't know. Build building up mouse. Building up mouse. Building yeah. up Alice. I did like the 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 crane uh Yeah, I love the crane name drop. I love Why the crane does he drum. know Jonathan Crane so well? Uh who knows? That also was weird. He's like, ah, oh, my good friend, Dr. Kane. You may know him as the Scarecrow. I'm just like, well, how are you just, you know, you just buddies with, like, supervillains? Like, how did that, and you just happen to have a big thing of fear toxin? At first I thought, when they first I mean, teased it, I thought, oh, snap, is this Scarecrow? Like, like is this a whole different? Oh, nah. I didn't know what was going on when I saw that fear toxin. Wild. I would have been like, wait, wait, wait. So, Scarecrow yeah. is now skinning people's faces? Yeah, I was like, is Mouse Scarecrow? I like, was very, on? trust me, I was very confused when we saw fear toxin involved. And then I just, I then just the explanation they gave I me just, just it gave me more questions. I was like, oh wait, so now this guy see, just knows. For me, like after after seeing Gotham, I'm now conditioned on this show to just be like, Batman Easter egg is gonna show up. So like when I saw a mouse strapped up to the chair with like a mask, I'm like, all right, was he strapped up to Venom? That was for me. I thought. <laughs> strapped up to Venom. He's about to go Bane. And then I see the that's he says fear toxin. Wow, that's the that's the that's the Easter. It makes more sense. Made more sense, but like, yeah. um, I actually didn't expect any. I thought that was the only Easter egg we would get. I didn't expect any actual allusions to uh, Scarecrow, but eventually this show's gonna have to get more into the Batman villain lane. I, like, I feel like it's a, the mainstream. Yeah, I feel like it's a con- they're making a conscious decision to avoid it for now. Yeah, which may be smart. In it might be. Yeah, it I, also I, may be mandated. Who knows? It may but, be mandated definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I'm actually. Okay with it to be honest. Like I, I've seen, we've now seen sixteen episodes of Batwoman, and this is not a show I'm looking at. And I feel like, oh, it desperately needs Batman villains like in season one. Yeah, it so can live on its own. It could have absolutely. It's, 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 it has sustained itself. I just don't already. know how long that can last. My no, my, my concern I is, I think better. the level of storytelling and some of these little nit, nitpicks that we're hitting on, like you can't have those mistakes and not give me those Batman characters you know what i'm saying like you could have made yeah. Alice and a lot compelling. of those... you could have limited mouse you could like the fight choreography stuff could have made more sense you could have had the secret identity stuff um make more sense um like there are aspects to the show that could have been better that won't have me clamoring for anything besides what we have and it, a lot was, of those... it wasn't it wasn't what they gave us it wasn't the the framework what they gave us wasn't just like non-palatable it was just how they how they've put it together has made it. I say it's still not non palatable. It's not a terrible show. I just think right now it seems to be directionless, as you said. I think that was a great way to put it. It just seems like the show is going around in circles. I don't know where it's heading. I still don't know where it's heading. A lot of a lot of the things that you talked about as issues can be solved by just including Batman villains, like because there's a source material there that works. Just as long as you don't mess it up like Gotham did at times, like. You can just take from the source material, mm-hmm. and the source material will be better than the Alice stuff. You know, the source material will be better than Mouse. You don't mess it up. Like, Mr. Freeze is just a better character. Scarecrow is a better character. Bane's a better character. Isha Ghoul, like, they're hard to they're hard to mess up that that much. So, um, it could be one of those things where it's kind of just a wait and see. I think the show has proven, though, as it, it can stand on its own, but... It's not. It's not like this is the Mandalorian, where Mandalorian had had a great first season. So now Disney's like 
do add whatever character you want. We're opening up the chamber. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys can now, you know, have any toy you want to use. I don't know if Batwoman has proven itself on that level to where it's like, all right, you can use Joker now. Like, but I think it's proven that, all right, like, it doesn't need Batman in every episode to be solid. So why not give it a chance to use some of these Batman villains? I think that could be I also feel like at a certain point, it's not believable that all these Batman villains would see Batman gone and see someone else in the bat suit and not be like, yo, fam. I'm coming out the woodwork. Time to come back out. Like, yo, like it's yeah. kind of, like that's kind of crazy. I mean, Batman's been gone for a long time. Okay, the crows, they're saying the crows had a new, you know, they brought crime down. But at a certain point, a person in a bat costume shows up. I, Mr. Freeze, he ain't just chilling in the crypt. You know, Penguin ain't just chilling, you know, in the Iceberg Lounge. Like, like <laughs> at a certain point, these people are going to say, yo, fam, it's time for me to shine. And, like, the idea that they're just, like, all sitting on the sidelines, all of them. Like, I'm surprised that we haven't seen... A Batman villain at this point in time. It's shocking to me. Because I thought that at a certain point you'd have to... It didn't make sense to make people think that Alice is just like... Got a run of the city in a way that no other Batman villain can even contest. Like, that didn't seem believable. I thought we would... Even if the story centered around her, I thought we'd still see some other characters coming every now and then. Like, we're seeing like the most D-list Batman characters show up. Or Batwoman villains show up in these freaking weak... Uh, storylines and the main big hitters or you're not even the big hitters the the, the b-list people we're not even seeing that i think has been a great surprise to me so far but i think that's a good place to wrap the show this guy this week wrap the show guys uh so i hope you guys enjoyed this week's edition of the new generation hero talk podcast of course you can catch all of our shows on new generation podcast network on soundcloud itunes stitcher and TuneIn. also check out our youtube channel new generation media um, we have a, a plenty of basketball content that's been up there in recent weeks. We've seen, uh, again, a lot of exciting, great growth. So once you guys, uh, I would like you guys to go out there and check that stuff out if you're a big news fan. But there's going to be more hero stuff on there as well. Once again, you can find us, New Generation Media, on YouTube. Also, uh, check us out on social media, on Twitter with New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and on uh, Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find Shamari. On Snapchat and Instagram, MCSham22. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, ActionEJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Hope you guys stay safe out there. For Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ. Peace.